1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, He the Father has caused us to be born again to an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, how true is this? If we can only get this today, we have been born again into an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. People of God know today that He walked out of that grave, and He is alive. They were watching. They were looking for Him, but they couldn't find Him. The grave was empty because He walked out. He has risen. He is alive. And we, His people, are born into this living hope. We don't stand before a statue, a dead tree, a moon, a god, a sun, something like that. We serve the living Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, while we were praising and worshiping the Lord, I became so aware of uh, the, the anointing of the Lord here. Now, if Pastor John would allow me a little detour. See, I have to, to uh, uh, get his, his uh, yes, because this is how authority works. You'll ex understand it a bit later. So many, many moons ago when I was still young, or younger than I am now, around about 1981, 82, I was a student at the AFM Bible College. They invited us, the students, to join a group of pastors somewhere there, northern, western Transvaal. Um, and this was like a retreat. And uh, in Afrikaans, they would talk about the groot kanone, you know, the manne met die boots, you know, the, the real men. And now I was there, this student, and very uh, apprehensive, you know, and, you, you know, checking out everything. So they started off, and I think it was about the second day we were praising and worshiping, and all of a sudden one of the pastors went to the front, took the mic, he stopped the whole service. He said, I'm so sorry, uh, gents, but the Holy Spirit, the Lord told me we should call the Holy Spirit to this meeting. And he said it again, and everybody was looking at him. And one of the other guys got up and said, so how should we call him? Well, how, will I, how should I know? How do you call the Holy Spirit? Uh, another guy got up and he said, well, let's say, who? <laughs> oh, let's say, who? I was checking this thing out. Let's say, who? So, who, who would start the who? So eventually one guy got the courage together and he started, who? And eventually everybody was whooing. Better than any owl could whoo. But let me tell you, after about five minutes or so, it fell silent. Everybody stopped and we listened and we heard from all directions like a mighty wind rolling over the trees. You could hear branches breaking. 
It, it, it was something I, I could not understand. No one could understand. We just stood there listening. What's happening? It, it, it co coming from all directions. And it hit that building. And let me tell you, God did a mighty work that day. For the rest of the day, we were not hooing. We were on the floor. Some were crying. Some were praising. People were set free. People were set right before God. People got baptized in the Spirit. People got baptized with His fire. That is the anointing. So whenever you talk about the anointing, you are on risky ground. Because who's to know about how to who? I say this to you just to encourage you because while we were praising here, the Lord showed me that a lot of people walked in here today. And perhaps you're watching or listening. And the Lord showed me that behind that mask that you wear, there's the real mask. And behind that smiley face, there's a lot of anguish, of sorrow, of doubt. Lord, where are you? I'm dying here. And you know what? And the Lord pressed one scripture in my heart, John 5. It says, He the Father and Jesus, He is the life giver. And He gives life to whoever He wants. The Lord showed me that He, Jesus, is standing here today. And on this platform, there are parcels like boxes of life. And He wants to give you His life. Because He's got life as a commodity. I can give you money. I can say, flip, yes, 20 bucks for you, but I can't give you life. But Jesus stands here and he says, I'm here to give you life. So if there's anyone wants to slip up a hand, maybe you should stand. Anyone in the house that wants to say, Lord, I need life today. Then I invite you. I don't want to embarrass you. Just get up quickly. Just get up there where you sit. There's a few, there's a number of people. There's a number of people. Thank you, Jesus. Now, just as ridiculous it was to say who to the Holy Spirit, just as ridiculous, I want to turn around and I want to take a parcel and I want to throw it out and say, Lord, give life to our people. Catch the life, Lord. Catch the life, Lord. Catch the life. Give the life, Lord. I throw out the life, Lord. I throw out your life, Lord. Your life and you will heal your people and you will restore people today. You will give them life. You will give them courage and you will destroy the work of the enemy in people's life today. Amen and amen. Let's receive it from the Lord. Amen. Yes, the anointing. 
Thank you, Jesus. We are serving the living God, the living one. We are born again into an ever-living hope. Amen and amen. Now there was a prophet by the name of Jeremiah, and this prophet was used mightily by God. But then he got tripped up because he saw how well it went with the people, the ungodly people, and they were even appeared to be highly blessed of the Lord. And he debated with the Lord about this, and he said, Lord, what's, how does this work? And the Lord spoke to him, and that's the title of this, the sermon today, which is actually more a teaching that says, running with horses. In Jeremiah 12, verse 5, it says, the Lord speaking to Jeremiah, and he says, if you have run with footmen, and they wore you out, how then can you compete with the horses? If you have run with the footmen, and they wore you out, how then can you compete with the horses? People of God, we are living in a time where it's necessary to compete and run with the horses. Amen. You are placed here in this place, in this city, and wherever you are, for a reason. You are alive for a reason. You are still living for a reason. It means that God still has a purpose in your life to fulfill. And you are here to run with the horses. You are here not to, to allow little things to uh, dis uh, uh, distract your attention from Jesus. Because if it happens, you can't compete with the horses. This is what the Lord wants. He wants you to run with the horses. Now, listen to the AVT translation. Andre Fenter translation. <laughs> when you allow minor issues to distract you and trip you up, how can you be effective in the kingdom of God? Amen? No. We're not going to allow it. We want to run with the horses. So I want to share some basic principles with you, which we found we find in the Old, Old Testament and applied in the New Testament so that you and I can apply it and so that we can live more effectively in the kingdom of God. This is, after all, while we are here. Isn't it true? So remember, point number one, Philippians 3, verse 2, we are citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. People of God, do you understand what it means? It means I carry a different passport. It means I live under new, un, other rules, higher rules. Why I obey and submit myself to the rules of my city, of my nation. I live in the spirit under higher rules. And it's only a brief season that we get to spend on this little place called earth. Then we're gone. So while we're here, we need to operate by the principles we find in this book. This is how we can live effectively. And this is what Jeremiah did. The moment he set it aside, he was tripped up. Now in Matthew 8, we read a few accounts of Jesus establishing the kingdom, showing us how to apply it. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. Go and read the whole Matthew 8 this before you go to bed tonight because there are wonderful principles. Firstly, the leper approached Jesus. He must have watched Jesus doing some miracles. And he said, Master, 
if you are willing, you can heal me. Jesus responded to him and he said, I am willing, be healed. What happened here? Jesus applied a principle. He spoke the word, the living word of God. Because the word, the spirit-filled word carries the very life of God. The very essence of God is into that word and the leprosy can never stand against the life of God. So he spoke the word, and as he spoke the word, the life of God entered that body, and he was healed. Can you imagine the people around them? Because everybody was running away from a leper. Don't get close to me. Don't get near. Here, all of a sudden, here is someone not running away, but he's running towards the leper. By the way, a war horse is trained to run towards the battle. Think about that. He doesn't run away. He runs towards the battle. And you know what? He doesn't get a little snack when he arrives there. No, no. Some of them don't even return. But that's a war horse. You and I, let's be battle ready. Let's, let's have the word of God living in us so that we can run towards the battle. We don't run away. We're not shy for a battle. We're not in fear of the works of the enemy. No, we claim the works of God, the truth of God. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, and there a, a Roman official stopped in and said, Lord, I've got this uh, very valuable servant in my house. His suffering is on the verge of dying. Would you please heal him? Jesus said, let's go. The guy stopped him and said, Master, I'm not worthy of you coming to my house, but just speak the word and he will be healed. For I also am a man under authority. For the one I say go and he goes. For the one I say come and he comes. I know how authority works, so only speak the word. Jesus stopped. He said, nowhere in Israel did I find faith like this. Why? Because this man understood authority. And he knew that Jesus had the authority to speak the word. And if the word is spoken, life is there and healing is there. Imagine if we can lay claim to that, if we can lay hold to that. But someone understood the principle of authority. After that, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. You know the story. They're on the boat in the sea. Now, I actually uh, joked the other day and I said in, in the Bible, I find it uh, funny that when they talk about a ship, it's a, it's a ruiboike, you know, a little boat. When they talk about a sea, it's a fish pond. When they talk about a city, it's a little village. But anyway, here they're on the ship, on the sea, and there comes a storm, and they are busy sinking. The disciples were really in trouble. They, they got up, they woke Jesus up because he was sleeping. He said, Master, don't you care? We are perishing here. <laughs> Jesus got up. He didn't even respond to that accusation, and he said, why are you so timid and fearful? And he spoke, he rebuked the wind and the sea, and it subsided immediately. 
they were flabbergasted. Who's this that even the sea and the wind would listen to him? Now, in the ancient times, the water and wind gods were seen as the highest of gods. So they were really rattled. What happened here? Jesus gave them a lesson in authority. Jesus taught them how to apply the principles of the Old Testament. Jeremiah 1 verse 12 says, I am alert and active, watching over my word to fulfill it. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that in which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. That's the word of God. Man of God, woman of God, Whenever you are filled with His Spirit and this Word is alive in your heart and you speak a word into your storm, you release a Word of God into your storm, then the promise of this book is that no word will return void without doing that which it was sent for. Amen. That is when you start running with the horses, when you, you become like a battle horse, and you say, bring it on, not in arrogance, in humbleness before God, because you understand authority. You don't run away, but you encounter it. You run straight into it, and you speak a word of life, and you change around the situation. You bring about life where death is, where no hope is. Your words carry life into that situation, and the name of Jesus is glorified. Well, now I'm also almost start preaching. Teaching is not preaching. <laughs> now, you know, the theologians, they joke about stuff like that. Now, fortunately, I'm not one of them. So one day, I, the Holy Spirit told me I should go to a hospital in the city and spend some time in the chapel there. So I went there. I sat down in the chapel. And it, it, it was a Roman Catholic, it is still a Roman Catholic chapel, by the way. And don't get tripped up about nonsense like this. You know, Jeremiah, don't get tripped up like, with nonsense like this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So I could have said there, Lord, this is not my church. This is, look at all the funny stuff here. No, don't get tripped up with nonsense like this. The Lord wants to work wherever you are. And he sends you there to bring a difference. Amen. I sat there in the little chapel, and I was all on my own. After a while, a lady entered. She sat right on the other side. I could see that she was crying. After about five minutes or so, she got up. She sat down right next to me. She said, sir, is it okay if I sit next to you? I said, sure, madam. She was one of the medical personnel there. And she said, sir, the Lord told me to ask you to read to me exactly what you have read just now. I said, sure, my Bible is still open. Let's read it together. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 18. As surely as God is trustworthy and faithful and true and means what he says. <laughs> she was broken down. She cried. She said, this is exactly what I asked God. I was sitting here debating with him, arguing with him, crying to him, Lord, have you forgotten me? So many promises, so many prophecies, so many things that's behind. And 
It never came to true. Have you forgotten me, Lord? Do you even know that I exist? Do you hear my prayers? Go and sit next to that guy and ask him to read what he's just read now. For as surely as God is faithful and true and means what he says. And right there, we broke the work of the enemy. We dissolved and destroyed the work of the enemy for she was hopeless and in despair. But one word of God changed her life around. She had hope. She, she walked out there singing, dancing. Nothing has changed, but her heart has changed because the life of God was put into her heart. Amen. Now, what was the significance of this? Did the Lord anoint me for my sake? Well, it's wonderful to know that you heard the Lord correctly. Thank you, Lord. You used me. I thank you. Humble. But it wasn't for me. It was for her. You see now, when the Lord blessed you, the real significance of the blessing is always for the whole. It's for the body. I'm anointed so that the Lord can bless you. If the Lord bless me with money, with provision, with whatever, my first question should be, Lord, for whom is this? Who shall I bless with this? What do you want to do with this? It's not for me. It's for someone else. You're not isolated. You're part of the body. Now, that's a whole sermon on its own. You know what? If the hand is off, the finger is gone. Be assured that you are attached. Bruce, Pastor Bruce will like that. Be sure that you link to a life group. Amen. You are needed there. You can't function on your own. <laughs> because God wants to bless the whole. Listen to, to the, the prayer that Jesus teaches the disciples. Our Father. Not my Father. Our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Forgive us our sins. Us, us. So that we, it's every word, every second word is us and we. This is what the Lord wants for you and me. So that we can bless the whole body, all of it. Because that, that is how it works. That is a principle in the kingdom of God. That is how God wants to use us. Do you want to run with the horses? Or do you want to walk with the footmen? I want to run with the horses. So his word bring about his kingdom. This is how God works. Point number two, find the word. For us to be effective, we need to find the word. If you take away only one thing from this service today, Proverbs 4, verse 22, 21, 22. My son, attend to my words. Submit and consent to my sayings. Let them not depart out of your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. For to those who find them, they are life, healing to their flesh and their bones. For to them who find them, they are life. So you and I, we need to find the word. We need to live the Word. You need to read the Word. You need to apply the Word. You need to love the Word. I read about this one guy. He was truly serving the Lord wholeheartedly. And one night the Lord appeared to him and said, So what would you ask if you can ask 
anything from me. Won't you challenge yourself with that question tonight? I encourage you. What would you ask if the Lord asked you? What can I do for you? Anything. Wow, that's quite an open checkbook. He responded and he said, Lord, I want everything that's in this book. That's a good answer. But listen to the response. You may have it as long as you can find it. You see? As long as you can find it, you may have it. People of God, you want to run with the horses. You need to find His Word. You need to find His Word. For this is the way that He works. It's not my opinion. It's God's Word that matters. That is what we need. So how do you find it? People ask me, how do you find it? Joshua 1 verse 8. Here we find Joshua. Moses is dead. And Joshua is appointed in his place. And now they're heading towards the, the promised land. What is the instruction that the Lord gave him? Exactly this. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night, so that you will do everything that's written in it and observe what is written in it. For then you shall make your way to be prosperous and successful. Amen. Amen. That's how you find the word. Meditate upon the book of this law day and night. What does meditate? Does it mean I cross my legs and I hover a meter above the ground? No, nothing like that. Meditate in the Hebrew context only means that you read and you read again and you read again and you pray about it and you think about it and you pray and you start and you ask the Lord, Lord, put this into my heart. Make it alive in my heart. You, you digest it. You think about it. You talk about it. And eventually when you start believing it, then you start speaking it. And that is when you start to understand what authority is. For now I can start speaking the truth of God. Be healed. And he was healed. Storm be still. And he was stilled. Servant be healed. There, wherever you are. And he was healed. Why? Because he knew the power of his word. Because the word was alive in his heart. Is the word alive in your heart? What does it mean? Let me show you practically. It means... I will open up the Bible, for instance, and it would say in Galatians 3 and many others, and many, many more to say about that, much more, Pastor John. It, it would say, if you believe like Abram did, you are the blessed of God. Wow, okay, so I'm the blessed of God. Now I get up this morning out of my bed and, oh, this day is waiting, and oh, with all the troubles, tax returns, and this, and this, and this, and this, and I can, potholes, and... All of that. <laughs> Lord, how am I going to do this day? And I've got, oh, no, no, no. Can I rather just go to bed again and start all over and everything will be fine? No. I get out of the bed and I say, Lord, I thank you for your word says I am the blessed of God. And when I walk to the bathroom to brush my teeth, I mutter under my voice, 
I am the blessed of God. I am the blessed of God. I am the blessed of God. And every time you say it, you release words of life into your life and into the atmosphere and the spiritual world. They hear your words and they recognize the authority of a spirit-filled world and things start to change around and you start to live as a blessed man of God because that's the truth of God. Amen. Sure. Okay. Point number three. Mm. Prophesy the word. I want to encourage you to go and read Ezekiel 37 at least once a week. I know it's about the, the, the nation of Israel. But in the Bible, and I haven't got the time to teach you on that now, you can use the prophecies in your own world like that. So he brings him into this valley of dead bones. He said, in, I was in the spirit. So of course, you need to be in the spirit. You need to be spirit-filled, man of God, lady of God. You need to be filled with the spirit of God. Without that, you're dead, you're gone. There's nothing. You need to be filled with his spirit. So he's filled with the spirit. The Lord made him to walk through this valley of dead bones. He said, do you see these bones? Yes, I see them, Lord. They, they're very dead. There's a skull. There's a thigh. There's a rib. There must have been a huge explosion here. It's really bad, bad. They, they're very dead. The Lord asked him. <laughs> they're dead, dead. <laughs> dead square. <laughs> for the mathematicians. <laughs> the Lord asked him, can these bones live? <laughs> Lord, <laughs> only you know, clever answer. You know, <laughs> I know, it's impossible, but you know. So what is the first instruction that the Lord gives him? Prophesy to these bones. Prophesy to these bones. And then it carries on through that chapter, and three occasions it says prophesy again, and prophesy again. I will send my word, I will send my spirit. So let me say to this to you today, when you're in a storm, when there's dead bones in your life, and you've got no hope, and everything and everybody tells you it's over, what is the word of God? Prophesy to them prophesy and say, hear the word of the Lord. You will live. You will live. And that dead skull start creeping over. That's creepy. Over the sand. And the thighs and the ribs and they get together and an astonishment. And eventually the prophet says, you know, Lord, even the bones said there's no hope for us. We are completely cut off. We're completely dry. He said, prophesy to them. What am I saying to you today? Learn to run with the horses. Submit to the word of God. Get your life in order. That's what it means. If the Lord, the Bible says, submit yourself to God, it means get your life in order with the principles, with the laws, the statutes, the commands of God. Now I am under his authority, and I start living that. 
Thank you, Jesus, that you baptized me with your Holy Spirit and with fire. And now I read this word, and this word sinks down from my brain into my spirit, in my heart, and it ignites me. And the Lord baptizes me with His Spirit over and over and over. And now, when I walk into the valley of dead bones, I don't run away, but I stand there and I say, Hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> you will live. See, the outcome does not depend on the circumstance, but on faith in the power of the Word. Because the Spirit-filled words carry the very life of God. See, a prophecy is not a command to God. He is already in agreement. It's already been said. Here it says, he has died on the cross to gain a surpassing victory for you and I. Why should I accept anything less than that? He is already in agreement with his word. So I don't command God. The prophecy, the faith-filled prophecy, only align myself with his word, which was spoken already. Now I come into agreement with his word, and nothing can stand against the spirit-filled word of God. And I can speak life, and I bring about change, and I walk in this city, and I walk in this nation, and I... I look at the government and I look at all the wrong things and instead of running away, I can stand and I can prophesy and I release words of life into that. Amen. Right. Practically, just one little short, quick point. How to do it practically. So, I got uh, kidney stones. That's not nice. It's lightning that hits you about there, and it spreads right through your body. You, you crawl. It's not nice. Anyway, I went to the hospital. A terrible, terrible, horrible experience. Bless the nurses. Bless the doctors. I love them. If you're desperate in pain, you want to kiss that injection. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All your arrogance is gone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But then you recover. And then you get up, and then they give you a little blue gown. And that gown, it's open here. <laughs> and you can't get it not there. And when you ask the nurse to help you, she smiles and she rolls her eyes. You know. <laughs> Humiliating, terrible experience. And in the end, they helped me. Thank the Lord for that. But it took some time and a lot of very embarrassing situations. Very unpleasant, I won't tell you that. And it was a few days later. Bah, there it's again. And this time I decided, no, this is over. It was 12 o'clock at night. There's my wife. She knows. 12 o'clock at night, I walked into that sitting room of ours. And I started applying exactly what I've told you today. Exactly that. Not in arrogance, in humbleness before God. I'm nothing, but His life in me is everything. And I started, and I walked, and I said, Kidney stone, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. 1 John 3 verse 8 says, This is the reason that the Son of Man was made manifest, to destroy the works of the evil one. And while I was praying that the Spirit put that word, dissolve the works of the evil one into my heart, and I said, Kidney stones, dissolve in the name 
of Jesus. And I carried on and carried on, and it took two hours. And it was gone. And the next night, it happened again. And it took five hours, but it was gone. And I haven't had it since. Yeah. Why am I sharing this to you? To tell you that Andre is so smart. Andre is nothing. But I'm born again into an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus of, out of the grave. Amen. And in that hope I live. In that hope I speak. In that hope I celebrate. And I live my life running right into the battle, bringing life and restoration. Amen. So shall we close? Shall, can I invite you to stand? Now, Father, we thank you for every word that was spoken. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will put the power of these words into every heart. Lord, your word says that you will give us new hearts. You will put your spirit in us. I pray for every person here today who asked for life. Lord, that they have received it and that they will walk out of this house today with life in their hearts. Thank you that we can destroy the works of the evil one. Thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate your victory. Amen. Lord, and we bless you. We pray that you bless everyone going out from here, that you will keep them, that you will smile over them, that you will just be the Lord of lords and the King of kings into each one's life. We pray in the wonderful name of Jesus of Nazareth. Amen and amen.